I want to tell you something this morning that I'm pretty sure you know, but I want to remind you of. We are not Walmart. We are not the YMCA. We are not McDonald's. We are not Google. We are not the Marcus Theaters. We are the church of Jesus Christ. When I say we, I'm talking about us at Portview, as well as all people who are walking with Jesus, with Him as their Lord and Savior. We are the church of Jesus Christ, and we are so much more important than any of those organizations that I mentioned. I love my church because we are the church of Jesus Christ. Every year we take a couple weeks to talk about why we love our church, and it's kind of a review of who we are. And so we're going to start that today, today and next Sunday. So I love my church because this is Jesus' church. See, one day Jesus was asking his disciples who people thought that he was. You probably remember this story from the New Testament. So some, they told him, some thought you were, you were John the Baptist, and some thought that he was Elijah, and some thought he was Jeremiah, and some thought he was just some other prophet. But then he looked at his disciples and he said, who do you think that I am? And Peter answered. Remember his answer? He said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied this way. He said, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock... I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. That's from Matthew chapter 16, this little interaction between Jesus and his disciples. Jesus said in that interaction, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it, or will not overcome it. He said, listen, he said, I will build my church church. Think of that. My church. His church. He will build his church. And friends, we need to come to terms with something. That's what we are. We are his. Jesus's church. We are the gathering of those people whom the Father in heaven, he says, has revealed that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. We are not some random organization that provides services and products, although we do provide services and products, but that's really not who we are. We are the gathering of people who, by the grace of God, have come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. We are the gathering of people who, by the grace of God, have had our lives and our eternities transformed from darkness to life, from death to life. We are the gathering of people who, by the grace of God, have not discovered these truths of who Jesus is by simply listening to some good teacher, but have come to understand the truth of Jesus Christ by revelation. God revealing the truth about His Son to our hearts and our souls. We are the church of Jesus Christ. 
And Jesus said he would build his church. And Jesus said he would protect his church. He didn't say that about Walmart. He didn't say that about the YMCA. He didn't say that about your the business you own or that you work at. He said it about his church. And we need to understand something amidst a culture that devalues the church. Matter of fact, among a church culture that is devaluing the church constantly. We see a church culture that now says, you don't really need the church, just watch a sermon online. And you know what? You know how much we fight with that stuff as the church leadership? We go, but you know what? People come so much more, so much less regularly than they did. Why don't we just put our services online and who knows? Maybe God will lead us to do it someday. But you know why I fight it? Because that is not this. Last night in our, as the church gathered for prayer, matter of fact, so many people gathered for prayer last night that the paperwork that we created for the night, we ran out of. There were so many people for prayer. And Suzanne said to me this morning, she said, Mark, I wish everybody could have seen what I've seen because as a worship team, she's standing here looking that way. And the rest of us are standing here looking this way. And she said, last night, at a certain point during the worship service, we were worshiping and praying, and it was a beautiful night. Matter of fact, we prayed and worshiped for an hour and 45 minutes, and I'm like, oh my goodness, it's, it, I can't believe how this time went like that. And she said, at a certain point in the evening, she said, you literally could see the presence of the Holy Spirit fall, and she said, I watched it like a wave come across the people, and she said, it went from one side of the sanctuary to the other, and all of a sudden, everybody responded the same way across the sanctuary. That doesn't happen in your living room, in your pajamas, drinking a cup of coffee, listening to pastor whomever, who's a wonderful world-class preacher. That happens as we gather as the church. Friends, we are the church of Jesus Christ, and we need to understand something amidst this culture that devalues the church. Know this, we are not the invention of some man's imagination. We are not the result of a good business practice, a good business plan, and just trying to gain market shares. We, as Jesus' church, and Jesus said he would build his church, and he would protect his church, even against all the powers of hell. And if you are in the church, meaning you're a believer, you need to understand, according to the scriptures, it's not an accident. You are not here simply by the act of your will or a choice that you made. You have come to know Jesus because the Father in heaven has revealed the truth of Jesus Christ to your very soul. And friends, that must say something very important to every one of us who identifies himself or herself as a follower of Jesus and part of the church. It must say this, that this church which Jesus said he would build and protect and which he calls his bride is the most important, and I'm going to use this word even though it's not exactly right, organization. The most important organization on the planet because we're so much more. We're a living organism. But in a sense of things that you could belong to, this is the most important organization on the planet And it is intended to be the most important organization in your life. When we look at life and we say, I have this, I value this, and I value this, and I value that, we can put all things and we place different values on them. In the the eyes and the perspective of Jesus, being part of the church 
is the most important connection, the most important organization you can be part of, more than anything else in the world. And I wonder if we really think about the church in these terms. If Jesus says it's his church, and Jesus says someone is only part of it, of his church, by divine revelation, because that's what he said in the text we read. Peter, you didn't come up with this on your own. My Father in heaven has revealed it to you. You didn't just learn it because you heard it. God did a supernatural activity and he revealed it to your spirit to know that Jesus is the Messiah. So if Jesus says it's his church, and if Jesus says someone is only part of his church by divine revelation, and if Jesus says he will build his church, and if Jesus says he will protect his church, then can you think of any other organization that should hold a higher place in your lives? Can you think of any other group of people that you should hold dearer than the group of people called your brothers and sisters in the church of Jesus Christ? Well, I can't think of anything. Jesus loves his church. That's the story of the entire New Testament. Jesus loves his church and his followers love what he loves. So friends, I love my church, my individual expression of the big church of Jesus Christ, my, the individual expression of it at Portview. I love my church, this church, Portview Church. And here's what I know. So does Jesus. And let me tell you what I want to focus on. One of the main reasons why I love my church. It's because of heart. It's because of our heart as a gathering of people who, by the grace of God, have come to know Jesus and Savior and Lord, what happens? Our hearts are being changed for the good. They have been changed and they are being changed for the good. Let me, let me ask you a question. At Portview, how do we express our heart? We've got a little saying, we are people who care. That talks about our heart. We've always said we start with our heart first and then we talk about what we do. And this whole idea of, of um, spending a couple of weeks on, on I love my church, it starts it's talking about who we are and what we do and we always start with our heart. And friends, I love our heart because we said we want to be people who care. People who care I mean, is a way, of, a way of expressing that we, that we love. A caregiver is someone who puts love to action. And so we care about Jesus and we care about one another and we care about the world around us. That our heart is being transformed and that we are people who care. Our hearts have been and are being changed by Jesus. Our hearts are becoming like Jesus' heart. Here's what I've always challenged you. Because it's one of my challenge for myself. And, and friends, I'll tell you this. As I've been learning this more and experiencing it more, this is a dangerous thing to challenge yourself on. I've been saying for, for years, God, give me your heart for other people. When God gives you his heart for other people, it's often not a lot of fun. Because Jesus loves unconditionally. When Jesus loves unconditionally and he pours his, his, his passion over people and he gives you a little glimpse into how he feels for other people, you know what happens? Judging goes out the window. Hate has no room. 
you just feel this compassion and love for someone, and God gives you a little glimpse into how his heart is, and I, feel, I honestly believe this, he can only give you a little glimpse, because Jesus can have this incredible heart of love, but we still live in a sin-corrupted world, and we can handle about that much of it, because we just can't even stand up under the weight of God's passion and his love for people, including yourself. But our hearts are being changed so that we, in the capacities that we can handle, God allows us to feel like he feels instead of fake like Jesus. And friends, half the church world, much of the church world, much of my life was all about faking like Jesus. It's saying, of course I'm supposed to act certain ways. Of course I'm supposed to feel certain ways. I tell you I love you, but when I walk around the corner, I go, that guy's a jerk. I don't say it out loud, maybe. Maybe I do. You know you do too. They have the heart of Jesus. You recognize you don't even have that. You actually love, Jesus says, even your enemies. The process that's taking place as we develop in Christ's likeness is that God is giving us his heart. One of my favorite stories in the Bible reveals Jesus' heart and the kind of heart that he is developing in us. Grab your Bibles with me this morning. Turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 8. I'm not sure if you're supposed to have favorite stories in the Bible, but this is one of mine. This is one of the stories that is, has affected me more than any other story in the Bible. As a matter of fact, I don't know if there's any story that has affected me as much as this story. John chapter 8, starting in verse 1. We'll read through verse 11. It says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning, and he came again into the temple And all the people were coming to him. And he sat down and began to teach them. So he's teaching this crowd in the temple. Verse 3. The scribes and the Pharisees, who are the religious leaders, brought a woman caught in in adultery and having set her in the center of the court. And they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now, in the law of Moses, commanded us to stone such a woman. What then do you say? Verse 6. Look at why they were asking. They were saying this, testing him, so that they might have grounds for accusing him. Jesus. But Jesus stooped down with his finger he wrote on the ground. But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and he said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Then again he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. And when they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. And he was left alone and the woman where she was in the center of the court. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go. From now on, sin no more. I love this story. It's all about heart. Let's look first at the the different people so I can show you the different hearts. Look at the different people in this story. First of all, we see a crowd of people. All those who came to hear Jesus teach in the temple. So, friends, it's like, it's the Jewish church. So it's like this. It's the group. It's the, it's the crowd that's come to hear Jesus teach. 
Then there's the religious leaders. It's the, the leaders of the, of the temple, the scribes and the Pharisees, those who make their profession and they're in, in, in teaching the law and are, and are leading the people in their spiritual lives. Then there's this no-name female sinner. Maybe she had never attended the temple before. Maybe, though, she went to the temple every single day. It doesn't say. We oftentimes look at this and think, well, she must have been some rotten, terrible prostitute doing this. No. People from church get caught doing wrong things all the time. So maybe she attended the temple every week, every day. Maybe she only went that day. Never should never was never been before. We don't know. And then we have Jesus, the Son of God. Now notice what you see revealed about the hearts of these different groups of people. From the crowd, I think you could say maybe you see curious hearts. They were coming to hear and learn from Jesus, this guy who had been going around the countryside, healing people, saying some outlandish things, eat my body, uh, drink my blood. And they're saying, who is this guy? He's, he's obviously something incredibly miraculous about him. So they came with curious hearts to hear and learn more from Jesus. Then we see the scribes and the Pharisees. And the best way I think we can describe the scribes and the Pharisees is they had condemning hearts. You know, they're, they're condemning this woman. This woman was, she was wrong, no doubt about it. She was breaking the, the moral code of, of, of God's word. She broke the law, and, and the law says she must be punished, so they're going to condemn her to death. They want her stoned. But their condemning hearts are revealed in another way, because they really, I don't think, were so concerned about the woman. They were really more concerned about Jesus. Because we read it, and it said, it goes in there by accident, it says, they brought her to him, so they could condemn him. They wanted to trip him up. He's this guy preaching love and they go, oh, we'll get him. The law says you should kill her. Let's bring this woman caught in adultery. Maybe it was a sting operation. Maybe they set her up just so she could get her. We don't know. It very likely might have been just to get Jesus. And they get her before Jesus. And they say, what are you going to do with her? They're condemning. They're in their hearts. They want to condemn Jesus because they don't understand him. They're going to condemn this lady to death. Condemning hearts. And then there's the woman. What kind of heart did she have? It's, you know this, it's an embarrassed heart. It's a scared heart. I mean, how else could she feel? She'd been torn literally from the bed. She's probably half naked. Thoroughly embarrassed. Brought out in public in the situation she had been, found herself in. Torn out, put there, maybe half naked. Fearing for her life because she knows they're going to kill her. So she has this embarrassed and scared heart. And then we find Jesus. What do we see about Jesus' heart? It's, it's just love. It's, it's other-focused. He knows they're there to get him. He knows they're there to set him up. But he's not worried about himself in the situation. He's thinking about the lady. He's other-focused. He's forgiving. He's, he's restoring that's the heart of Jesus. It's interesting that all of these different hearts could be in the temple at one time. They said they were one big unified body. But yet in that one big unified body in the temple, they would always said we're, we're children of Abraham. That would have defined them. But in that one big unified body, what do we see? We see all these different hearts represented. And friend, I think it's possible that similar hearts could all be at Portview on any particular day. Maybe some of you here today 
are curious about Jesus. Just like the crowd. Just starting to feel some internal tug that is drawing you toward Jesus and His church. Maybe there are some here who are condemning hearts. You say, ah, pastor, that can't be. We're not scribes and Pharisees. Let me tell you, friends, it's easy to happen. And I often have fallen into that camp. We know something of the Word of God. And we have been following Jesus for some time. And we look around and we see people living lives contrary to Jesus' ways. And we somehow make it our job to maybe set them straight, tell them where they're wrong. Or at least, even if we don't admit it, maybe even to ourselves, we look down on them and we feel superior. That's a condemning heart. But there could be people here also with embarrassed or scared hearts today. Because your life isn't what you know it should be or could be. Maybe you're living a life of compromise. Maybe there, maybe there are secret sins in your life or not so secret sins in your life. And you are embarrassed before God. And if people know you're embarrassed before men. And you're scared about what God really thinks about you. And you're scared about what people, so you put on masks because you're afraid of what they might think about you. Well, friends, listen, here's the really good news. Jesus' heart toward any of these hearts is love. To the curious, he says, seek me and you will find me. He's not hiding. He is the one who is causing you to want to know the truth. You're not wanting to know the truth on your own. He's the one causing you to want to know the truth. Remember what Jesus said to the disciples when they said that He was the Messiah, the Savior of the Lord, of the living God. Jesus said His Father in heaven has revealed this truth to you. God is revealing to your soul that He loves you and He wants you to be His follower. His heart toward you is love. To the condemning heart. This is the amazing thing. This is the heart of God compared to the heart of man. He does not condemn in return. And boy, we need to learn about this. He simply lets the condemning heart see the reality of their own sinfulness. He didn't didn't tell them they were sinful. He didn't condemn them in return. He simply says this, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. From a heart of love, he allows us to see that we are in the same condition as everyone else. We all need forgiveness. We all need grace. We all need Jesus all the time. That's why when he gave us a prayer, in the, we call it the Lord's Prayer. Every day, a daily prayer. He says every day to pray, forgive us our trespasses, our sins, as we forgive those who trespass against us. We are all in the same condition. Not the same expressions of it, but every one of us needs forgiveness and grace all the time from Jesus. Now maybe our sins are different, and maybe we can put on a good front, but when we look inside of ourselves, we know there are issues and there are struggles and there are problems and there are attitudes and there is judgmentalism, there may be racism, 
there is pride. There's all kinds of stuff that lurks within the heart of man. We know that if we have to be perfect in order to pick up a stone and throw it at another, then we should never even pick up stones in the first place. It's Jesus' heart of love that loves the condemning so that they can see themselves honestly and allow Jesus to change them from the inside out. To the embarrassed and the scared. He says, I don't condemn you. From now on, go and sin no more. Look what Jesus does. First, He offers love and acceptance. And then, He offers transformation. Freedom from the chains of sin. His love comes first. Then He deals with behavior later. Don't we often get this order backwards? We want to deal with our behavior first. I'll clean myself up and then I'll come to Jesus. Hasn't the church forever got this backwards? Think about how many people have been turned away from Jesus because His followers focused on behavior before love and acceptance. The amount of people turned off is is incomprehensible because we focused on behavior before we focused on love. Jesus does care about behavior. Don't get me wrong. Matter of fact, one of the errors in the church world today, in kind of the, the emerging church world, is to kind of saying, it does, behavior doesn't matter. Behavior does matter. Jesus does care about behavior. He told the woman to sin no more. But He got it in the right order. He accepted and loved her first. And then from that place of grace, He knew she could find healing and transformation. Because healing and transformation, the change that occurs, is the activity of the Holy Spirit. And you must come into, into the reality of the Holy Spirit's love and life in your life in order to experience the transformation. So the order must be right. Love comes before transformation. Transformation change flows from being in Christ and being loved by His church. That's why He loves His church. He loves His church because He's creating a place that He can bring someone who is hurting and lost and is embarrassed by their life and says, God wouldn't accept me and people wouldn't accept me. And He creates a place that is unique in all the world and somebody you can bring them by the hand and bring them to church and they find love and acceptance. And then in time, by the activity of the Holy Spirit, transformation begins to occur. So love first, acceptance first, and then transformation is the activity of God and often through His church, through teaching and discipleship. But it starts with the heart of love. Jesus' heart always starts with love. Church, Jesus desires for all of us and our hearts would be, become like, that all of our hearts would become like His heart. That we would love First, that we would see our own condition first so that we don't become the condemners. We don't become the judgers who are harsh. Because we only become the judgers and the condemners when we don't see the truth about ourselves. That we all need grace. This is who He's helping us become. And I think we're well on our way. 
I believe God is, is happy and proud and smiling of Portview Church in our lives. To be a place where everyone is welcome. Where everyone can find love. Where you can bring anyone, no matter their condition. And God is telling you and me to bring everyone. His, his message to His church is go to the highways and byways and compel them to come in. And who is He speaking to in that case? He was saying all the good people refuse to come to the banquet. So go get those who the world says aren't worthy and bring them in. Friends, that's the heart. That we would be like that. That we understand this is a place not for nice and good people who look good. This is a place that's welcome to everybody where awesome people with the heart of God will love on everybody. And that you will be compelled and I will be compelled to bring them in. A place where anyone can find love. A place where you can bring anyone, no matter what problems they may have, they're welcome here. And my prayer for us as we begin this new year together is that we would ask the Lord, To give us His heart for others. His heart for even those we dislike. And we would invite them into our church family. We'd invite them into our living rooms and our connect groups. We'd invite them into our cafe for coffee. We'd invite them into our service to experience the presence of the Lord. And as a family, we would reveal Jesus' heart of love to everyone. Never looking down her nose, thinking, oh my goodness, I know that person from the community. You know what they're involved in? But just the opposite. Recognizing, like Jesus did to the condemners, if I really think if I have a right to throw a stone, just let me look inside myself. And I realize I need a Savior. And if I need a Savior, and they need a Savior, I shouldn't be throwing stones at anybody. That we would invite because of the heart of God, everyone into our church family. And as a family, we would reveal Jesus' heart of love to everyone and anyone. Friends, that's what I believe God loves about our church. He loves lots. But that's our hunger. That's our passion. We are people who care. And I believe that's why I love Portview Church, because of our heart. Join me as we pray. And we welcome the Lord to change our hearts. Father, we want hearts like yours. Lord, we want hearts like yours. We want hearts that love, hearts that don't condemn, hearts that are filled with grace and not filled with self-righteousness. And Father, when we look at a story like this in the Scriptures, Lord, it speaks to me of my need of You. It shows me that I have no platform that I can stand on and hurl abuse or judgments at other people. But that I need You. And God, I hope that as we have allowed Your Word and Your Spirit to speak to us today, that is the message that You're breathing into our hearts right now. And God, I ask You to give us Your heart for other people. Father, I I would ask this right now. That as we've been having this time to allow our hearts to be stirred, that there are people in our lives 
that you want us to be the one who goes to. That when you say go to the highways and the byways and compel them to come in, there are people in our lives right now that we already know. Their relatives, their friends, their neighbors, they're somebody we count as our enemy. They're that difficult person at work. They're that relative who's, who's snarky. God, make, their, make their, their, their face literally pop up in our mind's eye right now. Lord, help us realize that if we have any judgmentalism towards them, that we really don't have a platform to stand. And Lord, I pray this. That you would give us the courage and the love to in the next days and weeks to go to that person who brought to our heart. The person who lives around the corner, the person who we work with, that the relative that we haven't talked to. And Lord, we would go to them and we would somehow express your love to them. And Lord, this, did you say compel them to come in? We would bring them with us to this place where they can be loved on and they can experience the presence of your Spirit among the family of God. Help us.